Getting split. Getting split. Getting split. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh God, I'm so sorry. No, 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 she's not dead. We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show. Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. With us, we have Allison Turoff from the Granite Law Group, Josh Berngard from Buzzer Real Estate, and one of our divorce realty pros, and Terry Vanover, who's one of our divorce coaching pros. Split Ready is brought to you by Split Ready, the premier place to start and manage your divorce. So I've been sitting here since we started the show going, toxic, sneaky, toxic, sneaky, which way do I want to go? So we're going to go toxic first. <laughs> so you had, a, when we were talking about, about a good topic, you really talked about toxic relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And based on the story, you know, that you kind of just started down, you know, talking about your background, it sounds like that you have some experience and you can really bring that to your, your clients. So talk a little bit about how you define a toxic relationship. Yeah, since we've hit on shame and all kinds of stuff, um, you know, you probably hear from my accent. I'm not <laughs> from Chicago. <laughs> no. So I grew up just like a poor country girl from Virginia. That's where I'm from. But I grew up with a lot of shame and um, my alcoholic father abandoned my mom after their divorce when I was three years old and I was sexually abused by a family member and we were poor. My mom had little education. You know, we had little money. So I grew up with a lot of those feelings and I brought a lack of, of, you know, love of myself, low self-esteem, a lot of shame of of who I was and and feelings of abandonment into my marriage. And my marriage fell apart after a few short years because I brought all of that right into my marriage. And so many people, like Josh says, you know, there's a lot of stigma and shame around divorce. But in some cases, divorce can be a healthy alternative rather than staying in a toxic marriage. And a lot of what I do is help people heal from those toxic marriages. And, it, you know, the earlier, the better. The, the, the clients that come to me right at the beginning so that we can make sure that they're making clearer decisions along the way, uh, even better. So we navigate the logistics of divorce. That's a big part of it. But a huge part of it is healing from toxic relationships because I'm very passionate, like Doug says, like we are not pro-divorce, we're actually pro-marriage. And a big part of what I do is you've got to heal yourself because if you don't, you're just going to repeat the mistakes. Although the divorce rate is going down, second marriage divorce rates actually in the last year have gone up. So if you have children in a second marriage, you are likely to divorce at a rate of 70%. That's wow. that's a new statistic that just came out and I was like, "Holy mackerel." But it's it's really not that surprising to me cuz I work with a lot of of stepmoms and so you think your first divorce, so you bring all your baggage, right? You already have your baggage and you don't heal that and then you you blame the partner. And then, then you have a, a second marriage, and then you throw in stepkids, a high-conflict ex, and then all the stuff that you didn't heal the first time around. So it's no surprise to me that, that it's 70%, because you, it, all the additional stressors that are on a second marriage, it, it's just doomed. And you think about that, like 70%, like you would not get on an airplane if you knew the chance of that crashing was 70%. But people get married and without really taking a really good look at themselves. And that's the first step in healing from a toxic relationship 
is accepting responsibility for where you didn't show up in the marriage or taking responsibility for for missing the red flags and it's not a blame thing i'm not it's not about blame but like taking a real good look at yourself and saying okay where didn't i show up maybe i was a people pleaser and i really didn't speak my truth and i my voice got damp damped down throughout the relationship mm-hmm. and i kind of let myself not have a voice in this marriage so the first step it's not about blame but it is when you when you take responsibility you actually take back your power and you're no longer a victim you're no longer a victim to your ex or the circumstance or any situation so we the kind of the subject we're talking about obviously is this sur- moving on from a toxic relationship and i'm dying to know allison like not that you're transactional, kind of the way I am with a mortgage, but you're dealing with a finite amount of time with that divorce. But if someone's in a really toxic situation, how much of that carries on? Like, talk about the relationship for you guys after, because sometimes you're still drawn into stuff. Oh, we are drawn into it a lot. And in fact, um, it's not necessarily related to the parties themselves, but there's a whole big push within the divorce professional community to deal with the secondhand stress that we get from our clients because um, despite all of our very strong recommendations that they seek actual professional mental health assistance, um, they tend to try to use us and my BA in psychology from a million years ago does not qualify <laughs> nope. me to help people on the in this level of um, difficulty in their life. As it was mentioned, it's catastrophic. Um, so they tend to use the attorneys and any other professional that they can get to. Yeah, I'm right there with you. The real attorney. I'm right there with right? you. Yeah. Anyone else that they can get to, they use them because they're going through this horrific, horrific time. And oftentimes they need to express it in all of these different ways. And anyone they can find, they will let them know. Do you ever know. walk away? Is it ever so toxic that you look at the parties and go, nope, there's no way I can do it. it even if it paid double my double my 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 rate i'm not going to do it Uh, yeah there are definitely times where that happens it's not that often at least not right away that you see that oftentimes it doesn't present itself that as being that horrible at the start right you find out about it too late Yes, for sure. When you're already far into it. Why did they say they had gone through 12 attorneys (laughs) prior to (laughs) Oh, no, no. If if it's been more than two attorneys, then you're already very concerned. I think it was interesting when you said earlier that one of the sentiments you get is that, you know, being a divorce professional makes you pro-divorce or that, you know, it's easy money to be vultures. on the And what I think is under-realized, as you said, is that it's not easy. It's tough. There are days... When I'm done with a mediation where I am just depleted and done and it takes a lot out of you and you have to find ways to to take care of yourself as well. And we preach it. We have to figure out ways to do it as well. But to your point, Terry, I think that, you know, as mediators, we do a lot of reframing. How do we reframe this? And I think as people go through the process, they can learn to reframe what is to many a huge failure and reframe it as you know, an example. I think one of the clearest ways to get people to think about it differently is, you know, I don't want to end the marriage. I don't want this to happen to my kids. I don't want my kids to have a broken home. I don't want them to have to move. What would you tell your daughter or your son if they were in a toxic relationship? Would you want them to stay for their family? And once you switch that around, then they realize that they're actually setting an example and that they are entitled to be happy, that they are entitled to be loved because that's what they would want for other people. It's just really hard to get that 
that full transitional shift to think about it that way. Yeah, well, it's the fear that holds him in there. Yeah, but understanding that they're really it's really not benefiting your children by sacrificing yourself. Yeah, I think the reframing is super important. Absolutely, because then what does it teach your children? It teaches your children that it's okay to stay in a toxic relationship, that they should sacrifice themselves and their well-being to stay in their own toxic relationships when the time comes. And they'll copy, as you said, the baggage that you bring. They'll learn to not have a voice or they'll learn to be a bully or whatever it is that you're bringing to the relationship. And we all bring something that doesn't work. It's never just someone's fault. But then they're not only going to see a bad example, they're going to learn bad behaviors. So it's important. And what people don't realize is for guys like you, when it's toxic and you got to meet with two different clients, two different days, (laughs) pitch them twice, manage all the the things so that, that... God forbid that those two volatile things get close together. I mean, you've told me stories where yep. you're basically earning half a paycheck because you're running your butt around dealing with both people. It's true. And two attorneys. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, no, yeah. three, because there's there's two an attorney for each party and then the real estate it, is Correct. Yeah. So we're throwing a third one in there. Yeah. The trifecta. The trifecta. <laughs> it's very true. So what advice, Terry, would you give to people um, early on, right? So they're... How do they know they're in a toxic relationship? Because it's thrown around a lot now. You know, toxic relationships, personality disorders, I think, have gotten tossed yeah, around yeah. a bit. I mean, how do people really know? Everybody's a they... narcissist is kind of what I've yeah. seen. Yeah, statistically mm-hmm. impossible, but yes, everyone is. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think if you, the, the number one sign that I tell people, you're in a really toxic relationship. If you are constantly second-guessing yourself and feeling am I crazy? That is a big sign. If you cannot trust yourself, if you know, or you know, something's off and like, Doug, I'm a big Zen person. But like, if you, if you, you know, really tap into yourself and you just can't figure out like what's off or it's the second guessing when you find yourself constantly second guessing yourself and feeling like, am I crazy? And wanting to like record conversations with the person that you're married to, that's a sign that you're in a toxic relationship. Oh my God, I just used the sign. That was you really did. redneck, wasn't it? You know yes. you're, you know you're you know a win. toxic relationship win. You're thing. recording yourself, right? But, it, that's what you, but you can imagine how horrible, how, how bad the relationship has gotten if you were at the verge of like, I'm going to record us because, you know, it's, you really need some help there. Oh, well, actually, though, recording is one of the things that I was going to talk about because you can't. No, I, yeah. 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 No, 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 sneaky. I was saying sneaky. That's your mindset. Like, right. you know, I can't trust what he's saying or I feel manipulated or I can't trust what I'm thinking, you know, and you, you're finding yourself thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's why a lot of people do it. And then they and they do record their spouses and they come to me and say, but I really just did it because I needed to show someone that this that is I'm what's going crazy. on, that yeah, I'm not crazy. That, yeah. It's a felony. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. No, we're going we're gonna to end with that because I love that. It's that, a felony. Don't do thing. it. <laughs> so. Um, so we're starting a new uh, written segment on the Split Ready website kind of called In the Trenches with the Split Ready professionals kind of telling stories about the cases that they've been involved in and what they've learned from them. I think because as professionals, we do learn something from every case that we're in. Um, And to be able to share those stories, not only with other professionals, but with people going through it, maybe people can learn from us as well. Um, And one that I had recently was 
I think as we get going in our careers, sometimes we cut corners here and there because we think we're, you know, we're good at stuff. And I kind of went back to basics recently because I always do that to myself to kind of recheck. And I did a full screening for domestic violence in a way that I haven't done in a while. And it turned out that it existed in a relationship that I don't think I would have found if I had done the, the lighter version that I'd become more accustomed to. Um, both are fine within like the guidelines of what we should ask, but I did a little bit deeper dive and I found out information I wouldn't have had otherwise. And it was really important to the mediation itself to come out with an agreement that they could actually stick to. So I thought I would throw it to you guys as well. Things that you might've learned recently or stories that you've had recently that were impactful for you or that really kind of brought you back to some clarity on why we do what we do and things that are important when we do it. I've had a few clients recently somewhat similarly where I think in part because of where they are in their own healing process, they have not actually told me very, very serious things that have happened between um, my clients and their respective spouses until far into the process, far later than I would have really preferred because I would have approached their respective cases totally differently had I um, found out that information much sooner. One involved um, domestic violence. Um, another one was more of a, a manipulation situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably, I mean, again, my BA in psych does not qualify for me to say this, but probably on some sort of diagnosable level um, where the they were acting in ways that, and if I had understood where my clients, what they had been dealing with, I would have approached their cases differently. And then I go back to how... How do I get that information if the client's not yet ready to tell me? Because some of these things are not things I would have thought to ask. Right. How do we do we ask it differently? Or is it something that's just not going to come out? We have to kind of look at how we're. Yeah, I agree. Look at how we're doing it. What about you guys? Anything recent? Lucky for me, I have not had anything recent that is. Enlightened, enlightened me. Um, You're newlywed. You got to stay away from the bad, yeah, 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 the bad karma, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot, a lot of my, um, I guess, lessons learned was in the beginning, uh, and in, let's say in the last three or four years that we've been doing it, and uh, towards the last six months, I, I haven't. Uh, the difference is, is I don't actually approach it any differently, though. Right. So my process. Because I put systems together, I, I haven't cut corners yet, right? So when I'm doing it, it's it's the same time every time, and I don't hear again in my in my approach. It's getting them to communicate without knowing it, and then once I get the the you know again get into it, I'm hearing everything you're hearing, whether it be domestic, whether it be I can't believe he did this, what he's doing right now, or what she's doing. Uh, you know, where the relationship, I will hear from both sides what is happening. And it was in the beginning that I wasn't able to be a mediator. I was just like, I was listening and I was commenting and Mm -hmm. I realized commenting was the worst thing I could ever have done. Um, And so now I I am uh, a mediator in the sense that I will listen. I will, I will acknowledge, I will reflective listen, but I will not pick a side. Um, and that was very hard for me in the beginning. And now, like I said, I, I have learned from shame on me mistakes that I have made in the past. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, the thing I'm coming across more and more is humor. 
Like all these people, you know, it's one of these things where you mean like when a phone goes off in the middle of a podcast recording. There you go, like that. <laughs> no, but I'm not talking like Henny Youngman, you know, making jokes about marriage and divorce, but just being light and 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 not, you know, because they're thinking about the divorce. If you can make someone laugh, man, that changes everything. Yeah. And there's a couple of clients where you know just something was funny going on. Go figure something in the news or something going on around. Uh, around our country and plenty of that this year yeah there's plenty of that (laughs) um but uh you know just uh, just something to take their mind off it and and laugh you you hear people say you know thanks and they're not you know i think sometimes we talk about divorce and it's like you know you picture these franciscan monks like whipping themselves and like you know this chanting kind of depressing that's what you picture when you think of divorce no i'm saying like this like this depressing like you just hear those kind of like like uh, what is it? Chance, you know, where it would just be like really <laughs> depressing. But really, a lot of them, a lot of people, it seems like in that situation, are looking for reasons to not think about it and reasons to move toward that sunrise, right? Instead of instead of the sunset. Yeah, yeah. I think something that I've learned is the sooner you start the healing process, the better. Like the sooner you just start again taking accountability for you know, where you didn't show up in the relationship or, you know, where you didn't show up for yourself, really, the better, because you just really are doomed to repeat the same mistakes. It's just a different body, you know? Mm-hmm. And and like we're like we said earlier, we are products of our environment. And unless you do a huge shift, your children are more likely to repeat the same mistakes. But it is it is fixable. It, you can heal, you can transform, you can get beyond this. And like I think you said earlier, like in, when you reframe divorce, rather than looking at it as the worst thing, and you're like, look at it as this is an opportunity for growth. How can I learn? What can I learn about myself? What can I learn about communication? Because I think, Allison, you kind of said something earlier about, and we've been talking about how divorce, it's not really ending a relationship. You're really not. You're just changing that that relationship it's shifting so you're still going to have to deal with this person most likely so the better you kids yep right yeah so the sooner you take a look at yourself and figure out how can i heal myself and handle this and 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 come to a better place in my life the better you're going to be for you and your kids and when it works you remain friends but seems like when it doesn't work we're going to talk about that. And if you are thinking about divorce, please visit splitready.com and take our free assessment. You can come through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and your sanity intact. Be informed, ask questions, and be split ready.